Is that it? <laughs> oh, my. You know, the run to the Stanley Cup has begun. Any hockey fans? It didn't sound like it, really. It's, it's a, all right, all right, all right, all right. On, on three, I want you to call out your team. One, two, three. <laughs> I knew that was going to make me blue this morning, so... Uh, <laughs> Next few months, uh, you're going to hear about uh, marquee players like uh, Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves from Chicago. Uh huh. Well, we got some Chicago fans. And then there's St. Louis's own Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. Hey, top offensive player uh, last week in both points and goals. Uh, he's pretty phenomenal to watch. And what's interesting to me about hockey, as awesome as it is to have this high-flying offense without defense, without a great goalie, your team cannot win at all. They just can't. You know, Dominic Hask uh, is considered one of the greatest goalies, perhaps the greatest uh, in NHL history. His nickname, I love it, the Dominator. Uh, I like a nickname like that, Dominator. You know, he's uh, got the hardware to support it. Uh, he's got the Visna Trophy. He's got the Hart Trophy, league's most valuable player. He uh, helped the Red Wings. Any Red Wing fans here? Oh, one. All right. All right. The Red, Red Wings, uh, two, two Stanley Cups, uh, the Czech Republic. He got him a gold medal in the Olympics. And he has the highest career saving percentage. It's nine or point nine two 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 ever. Still holds today. Top record. He was efficient. He could shut teams down and he could shut teams out. Goalies have one agenda. They guard, they block, and they protect. That four by six mesh net, their their job is to keep the puck out. You know, to use anything and everything to keep the opponent from scoring. They use their pads, they use their sticks, their gloves, their skates, their helmets. They do whatever they got to do to protect the zone. One of, one of the most exciting times in hockey, this is my opinion on it, but is the power play. Anybody like the power play? It doesn't matter. Your team's on it or they're on it. It's a great time. And in a power play... A team has a, a one or two man advantage. You know, one team has one or two guys in the penalty box, and so it gives a numerical advantage to the other team. And so, like a 5 3, I know if you don't know hockey, you're what? But a 5 3 power play, you got five men that are t- trying to score against three. And so, the result is the team with five, they go on full offensive attack. And it is flurry of shots usually. It's exciting. Most games in hockey are won or lost during the power play. Great teams, great goalies rise to the occasion and they protect the net. 
Today, we're going to talk about protecting the zone, parents. And not the zone at uh, Scott Trade Center, but the family zone. And in a real way, I believe families are facing a power play. The opposition is taking shots after shots and sending them our way. You know, parents have to be goalies. You have to be goalies. You've got to deflect. You've got to defend the zone. You've got to protect the net, protect the family. And it's tough, and it's challenging, and it's difficult sometimes. But the game, friends, is moving fast. And we've got to fight hard to do all that God wants us to do as moms and dads. So parents, if you're going to defend the goal, if you're going to be a goalie for the team, if you're going to execute God's plan, I believe you've got to put on the gear of a goalie. I believe you've got to get in position. And I believe you've got to get in front of the net and you've got to defend the zone that's called your family. You know, in Ephesians, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's addressing parents. And he talks a lot about the, the parent-child relationship. And he talks about husbands and wives and the, the bond And he concludes this great piece of work by talking about the equipment, the the gear we're to put on as Christians. Well, it's the same in hockey. Good goalies never get on the ice without their gear on. If they fail to put their gear on, well, they, they could either seriously get hurt, could even get killed out there. But as Christians, we're to put on our, our, our gear. What do we put on? Well, Paul, Paul says this. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor. See, there's the gear part. So that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Paul will spend the remaining part of that chapter, I'd encourage you, you might read it this week, but he'll spend the rest of the chapter talking about the armor or the gear that we're to put on, the equipment. He talks about things like righteousness that we're to put on and truth and faith and salvation. He talks about spending time in in the playbook of God's word to give us guidance as Christians. And Paul says you need to suit up. You suit up. We're putting ourselves in the best position to face off against our foe. It's spiritual armor. It prepares us for life. Paul says it will prepare you for victory so that you're able to stand against whose strategies? The devil's. All the devil's strategies. Well, I got to think about parents. See, the same's true about us as parents. Parents, uh, you're the goalie in your family. And you need to put on the right gear. And you need to put on the right equipment. And you need to understand the game. I mean, great goalies understand the game, right? They know their opponent. They, they actually study game film so that they're able to, to know when and where and how they're going to be attacked. And they want to be able to protect that at all all costs. They, they know the type of shots that are coming their way, and they're prepared. Good goalies are prepared. They know what to do. But here's what shocks me. Most families never take the time to study the opposition, to understand when and where the slap shots are coming toward the family. 
In fact, friends, when I look around today, families are losing the battle. Families are are getting beaten by a formidable opponent. Not unbeatable, but a formidable opponent that is taking us to town. You know, the opponent I'm talking about is Satan. It's the evil one. He's playing the same old game that he's always played. He's running the same plays and the same offense that he's always ran. He's taking the same shots the same way. He doesn't have any new tricks, no new plays. He's doing what he's done since the beginning of time, and that's having his way with the family. You know, parents, you got to get the gear on. You got to understand who the opposition is. You got to understand so that you're prepared for that attack. And what I want to do is share some of the slap shots that are coming your way as parents so that you can protect your family from what, what's ahead. You can protect them from the, those shots on goal. And I'll tell you, some of them are vicious. And some of them will come fast and furious. And you've got to block the shots if you're going to win the game as a parent. So the first shot that you have to block is the shot toward your marriage. You know, your marriage is foundational. You want a good team, you have a great marriage. That's how you start, by protecting your family. I heard about a Sunday school teacher, and uh, she was going to talk to the kids about marriage. And so she said, you know, before I begin, does anybody know what Jesus said about marriage? little girl raised her hand. She's like, oh, I know, I know. She's so proud. She says, Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. When it comes to your marriage, you got to nurture it. You got to guard it. You got to protect it. The evil one has a strategy. The evil one knows if he can mess your marriage up, he can mess your family up. I want you to think about that for a minute. I mean, if he can mess your family up, he can score goal after goal after goal with your kids. Now follow this. If he can mess the marriage up and mess the family up, he can mess the neighborhood up. And if he can mess your neighborhood up, he can mess the community up. And if he can mess the community up, he can mess the country up. And if he can mess up a nation, he can mess up the world. And I would challenge you to take a look around because there's a lot of mess in this world. It is a strategy. It is a pretty good strategy. It seems to be working pretty well. There's a lot on the line. I mean, do I need to keep explaining this? See, the evil one hates moms and dads, husbands and wives that love each other. He hates husbands and wives that are connecting, that are communicating, that are working on their relationship because he knows as the marriage goes, so goes the team. See, the evil one understands that the little rookie players in your house, they take their cues from you. It's how they learn about stuff. That's the drama. These kids learned it from mom and dad. You know, it's where they learn about commitment. It's where they learn about love. 
and trust and conflict resolution. It's where they're going to learn to love God. They're going to learn how to live God-honoring lives. It's from your marriage and from you as mom and dad in the house. See, marriage is its core. And you've got to block the shots towards your marriage. Now, I'm going to give you a couple things just real quick. Spend quality time together. You've got to spend quality time together on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. You know, I'm always talking about date night. You need to do it where it's just the two of you, just the two of you. It might be breakfast time. It might be lunch or dinner, you know, getting someone to watch the kids, recreate together, but you got to do something together. And I know, I, I hear this all the time. Anytime I speak on the topic, I'll have families. They, they'll run up and they'll go, yeah, but it's just so busy, Pastor. We're so busy. We're barely skating by. You know, we just don't have, have much time. You know, it's got so much going on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to say it again. Carve out time. You got to carve out time. I have watched what happens to these little rookies in the house when the marriage spins out. And I've also watched what happens when the marriage is strong and the kids go, my mom and dad love each other. Spend time together, nurture it, set the time aside, do it. It's a great way to protect your children. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. It'll pay in high, high dividends, but you got to do it. And the second thing, get over grudges rapidly. You need to get over the grudges very quickly. I was watching an interview with Wayne Gretzky, the great one. You know, he was talking about the biggest mistakes that hockey players make. And he said he believed that the the biggest mistake was when they would get upset with their opponent and somebody would get into a grudge with someone. And he said they would forget the game plan. They would commit unnecessary penalties. They would get out of position because they're they're so focused on getting even with somebody out on, on on the ice. They would miss opportunities that they had because of a grudge, because of a grudge. Friends, there are a lot of marriages that are so into the grudge thing, so into unforgiveness, that they miss the big picture. And the foundation comes out. Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, be angry without sinning. See, it's okay to be angry. But don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil any opportunity to work. Why don't we go to bed angry? Because we're not going to give the devil an opportunity. He says it's okay but to be angry, but what you do with your anger is what matters. When, when, you, when you don't deal with your anger, that's how some people do it. Oh, I'm just not going to deal with it. Well, what happens? It festers. And when it festers, trust me, you give the devil a foothold in your life and in your relationship. Just a couple things about marriage. Next week, I'm going to spend our entire session talking about marriage because there's so much on the line here. So that's just a quick, quick insight. Here's the second thing. We need to guard our children. Guard our children. Our children today are facing an arsenal of shots. They may be slap shots, wrist shots, backhanded shots. I don't know. They are facing a lot of stuff in their life. And when I talk to young people today, 
that are, that are dealing with problems in their life. Many times, they will refer back to a very common action in their life. They will point back and say, I chose the wrong friends. Almost without fail, when I'm dealing with a kid that, that's kind of went off the, the path, so to speak, when I talk to them, they'll, they'll say, you know, I started having problems because of who I associated with. Moms, dads, your kids take their relational cues from you. They take their cues from you. And I want to challenge parents to, first of all, go through your relational portfolio. I want you to think about who your friends are. You know, who your best friends are, who the people are that you spend the most time with. And then I want you to look at your kids' friends. Because almost always, there's a correlation between the two. And parents, hold on to your seat. I'm not going to make you very happy here for some of you. You cannot tell your kids to not associate with ungodly people when your friends are ungodly. In other words, I know how this goes. Parents go, well, you know what? I, I'm, I may not walk the walk, but they're going to hear me talk, you know. The fact is, you have to walk the walk. It's not about the talk. Your relationship should sync up with what you say, what you expect. And if they don't, there's a problem. And it isn't just this area of friendship. It's every area. You know, don't tell your kids, oh, don't do this, and you're off doing it. You know, unless it's an age-appropriate thing. Parents, you are the example to your children. And they will catch more than, than, they, than they hear. If you choose friends that hold the same values that you hold, there's a very good chance your children will do the same thing. And that's why I'm always talking about making the, the church a place where your main friendships are built. Why, why is that? Well, because if you build your main friendships within the context of the church, there's a good chance that you're going to have similar values. It's more likely that you will develop relationships with people that are like-minded in life. You know, we talk a lot about as this church has gotten larger and larger, we have to think smaller and smaller as a church. And that's why we're always saying get in a life group. Get in a life group because life group or a ministry team, you're with a few individuals, other, other people where you're relating and talking. It's where life, I believe, is encouraged. It's where life can, can, can change. It's where you find support. It's where you grow in your faith because of other families talking with one another. Simple question, what kind of relationships do you have? Are you monitoring your relationships? And are you guarding your children's relationships? See, sometimes you have to step in with your kids. Sometimes you have to step in and say, you may not invite them to this house. You may not go over to their house. You may not hang out with them. You may not text them 
anymore. Yes, kids are going to whine about it. And they will moan. And they will cry. And they will get upset. And they may even fight you and resist you. But you got to say to them, I'm sorry, but this isn't happening. You will not have a relationship like that. They are a bad influence on you. Your mom and dad, you know, we don't don't have those kind of relationships. And you're not going to either. And you talk to them about it. You know, what they're doing is not God-honoring. What they're doing will drag you down, will keep you from being the person God created you to be. But parents, you've got to have those conversations. Guard the zone. Guard the zone. You know, 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul writes, he says, do not be misled. Bad company, what? Do you believe that? I believe that. I've seen that. I've experienced that. You know, if you don't believe that, I challenge you just to look around, you know, uh, reading through Scripture. Samson's a great example of someone that spun out, that didn't, didn't get this. His parents didn't get it. Salmon, Samson, the, the he-man in Scripture, you know, had the she weakness. If you read the story, if you read the whole story, Samson gets tapped on the shoulder by God to be a great leader when he was very young. And his parents, his parents told him, said, Samson, you cannot hang out with the Philistines. They're, they're ungodly. They're, they're doing stuff that, that's not God-honoring. And so Samson kind of, eh, and he hangs out with them, goes against his parents' wishes. And at an early age, he starts running with the wrong crowd. He ends up breaking a lot of God's principles. And he ends up breaking his family's heart. It's a very tragic story. It ends up costing him his life, ultimately. But when I read the story, I think, what might have been? What might have been? What happened there? Again, you read, read the scriptures, you find that Samson's parents did not protect the zone. Samson's parents should have stepped in and said, you are not going there. You are not doing this. You are not dating girls from there. They will destroy you. But his parents did the kind of hands-off thing. And I see a lot of parents doing the hands-off, you know not going to get involved, not going to make the the call. And here's the sad part. We get the call a lot of times. You know, they call the pastors, say, hey, my kid's in trouble, running with the wrong crowd. It's out of hand now, pastor. Help us fix this. And it's everything I can do. I don't say this, but I think it, I'll be honest. Many times I think you should have stepped in five years ago, 10 years ago. Guard the zone. You cannot let down on this one. When, when it comes to, to their friendships, guard the zone. Talk to them, advise them, guide them. But when necessary, you step in and you cut it off. You will not be sorry you did that. The other thing that we need to, to guard against and protect is the media intake in our households. 
I believe one of the major shots that Satan takes to the family comes in the media shot. You know, the average teen today spends seven and a half hours with media. I want you to think about that for a minute. That's more than 52 hours a week spent on TV, music, internet. Think about that. I mean, it's, it's a little overwhelming. They will spend more time with media in the run of a week than any other thing they do, period. It's not even a contest. And, and so let's break the media thing down a little bit. Let's take music. Let's take music. Take you down uh, memory lane for a moment, all right? I want you to think about your favorite band or musician when you were growing up as a kid, all right? So, you know, was it the Beatles, uh, Elvis? I was a big Sticks fan growing up. You know, Van Halen, Bon Jovi, Garth Brooks, Pearl Jam, U2, New Kids on the Black. <laughs> any, any New Kids on the Block fans? It doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever band you just thought of, I, I really kind of tried to get my mind around this. I thought about in the last 20 years, if you back up 20 years or more, you are hard-pressed to find music that will glorify things like rape, robbery, assault, perverted sexual acts, murder. Those themes today are steadily growing in popularity. In fact, it is regular. I'll be in a, probably it's a younger kid's store because usually they go, oh, you're looking for something for your grandkids. Uh, But I'll be in the store and I'm hearing music. I'm thinking, this stuff's off the chain. The depth of depravity is extreme and we're talking mainstream. This isn't like underground stuff. This is mainstream popular bands and music. And my question to parents, do you know what your kids are listening to? Because if you're going to guard your children, you have to know what they're listening to. Which means that you've got to monitor their iPod and their iPhone and listen to the music that they're listening to. You need to sift through their music. And I know some of you go, but I can't understand the words, Pastor. There's a thing called Google. You Google the name of the song and say lyrics. And you read the lyrics and go through it. And I already know. I already know because I've heard these conversations. Your your kids will go, if you find stuff, you go, oh, this is horrible. They'll go, well, I don't listen to the words. The words don't matter. It's just, I love the beat. It's so good. Don't be stupid, mom and dad. Do not be stupid on this one. You may think, oh, it's just music. It's not a big deal. I beg to differ with you here. I mean, you listen to a song 25 times, 50 times, 100 times, over and over and over and over. You put garbage in, guess what you're going to get out? You get garbage out. You know, I know uh, kids kids will say, Well, everybody's doing it, right? Everybody's listening to it. Well, that may be true, or it may not be true. It's probably not true. But as a parent, 
you are not responsible for everyone. You're responsible for your son and for your daughter. Do not misunderstand me on this one. I'm not talking about a style of music. I'm not talking about, oh, you got a personal preference toward music. I, I don't care what the music is. There is garbage music in every genre, just about. I am not saying all secular music is evil. It's not. There, there is some very inspiring music out there. Some of it's kind of benign. But what I'm suggesting is there are too many songs that have sex as, as a core or violence or rebellion as the major theme in the music, and it's destructive. At the very least, it deteriorates the heart and the soul and the mind of your child. And let me say this, no double standards, mom and dad. None of this, well, do as I say, not as I do. So maybe you need to go through your music listening and figure out what's what. Again, parents, protect the mind and heart of your child. Get your heads out of the sand on this one. This is is serious stuff. It's serious stuff. Proverbs says, a wise person's hungry for knowledge. Why the fool feeds on trash. What are we putting in? You know, what are you letting your kids feed on these days? Do you know? How about the TV and the internet? There's a lot of intake there. You know, by the time a a child graduates from high school, they will have spent more than 18,000 hours on the TV and on the net. They will only spend 12,000 hours in school. I mean, think about that. By the time a child hits kindergarten, they have already spent more time on the TV and the internet than they will spend in college. In the run of a single year, the average teen, and this is staggering, is exposed to over 14,000 sexual encounters on, on TV or on the net. Some of them very explicit. And almost all of them will be outside the context of marriage. And here's the problem. When we take this stuff in, we're being seduced. What what happens is as we're taking it in, little by little, we are lowering our ability to discern right from wrong. It's like the, the frog in the kettle. It doesn't realize that it's being boiled alive. TV, as with most media, does not show the kind of the result of sin. Have you ever noticed that? It doesn't show the result of sin. It glamorizes sin. Hollywood has an agenda. Hollywood is battling for your minds. And they want your kids' minds also. You know, Hollywood wants to define values, social agendas, and moral compass in your life. And sometimes that is subtle, and sometimes it's not so subtle. They have an agenda. Protect your children. Protect what they view. 
You know, some of the movies and some of the shows that you allow your kids to watch is messing them up. And I believe Satan is just laughing because he's scoring goal after goal after goal in your kid's life. You know, Scripture says, guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, by protecting your child's heart and their mind, you are protecting their life. See, the evil one's battling for possession here. You know, the evil one is in power play mode, offensive attack, full on, and they are sending shot after shot after shot. It's a flurry of shots, and they're media shots. And the evil one knows that if he sends enough shots, he's going to land them once in a while, and he can score. And every time he scores, guess what? He's shaping your kid's life. He's shaping your life and my life. Protect the net. Protect the net. Do it at all costs. All sin starts up here with thought. See, your thoughts determine what you do, and they determine who you become. Protect your kids. Protect their minds. It is a different ballgame than when I grew up or when you grew up. There's a lot more on the line today. Now, be that as may, you can agree or disagree with that. What do you do? What do you do on, the, on this whole media issue deal? I mean, what do we do to protect the net? And I want to give you a few suggestions to help you here. One, you should make sure that your family's media choices square with Scripture. Now, I already know just about any show, every once in a while something pops up and you go, oh, that does, I do not believe that value. I do not believe this or that. If it's kind of the exception to the rule and it pops up once in a while, then use that as a teaching time. If it pops up all the time, you probably just need to change the channel, make a different choice. But you need to talk to your children about what's going on. Talk about God's perspective on the topic that, that you see, you go, oh, that value is wrong that they're lifting up. I'm going to say this again. Hollywood has an agenda. And they want to own your child. And they are bombarding your children. They're embedding ethics in them. They are teaching values and they're doing it in living color and we're standing by and letting it happen. And let me, let me say something to, to families. If you watch a lot of TV and that's all you do together, there's something wrong in the family. Get out and do something. Build your relationships with each other. That is my personal opinion. I don't have a scripture to stand on with that one, but that's my personal opinion. Relationships are what matter. On a similar note, there's something wrong when families, when they are together, nobody's talking. Everybody's texting and streaming and browsing and doing their electronic stuff. Put the electronics away. When it's family time, make it family time. Do you have a family time? If not, start having family time. Eat dinner together. Put the stuff away during dinner. You know, when you're in the car and you're picking your kids up at school or you're dropping them off short trips, put the electronics away and talk. Again, relationships are more important. Long trips, they're driving you crazy, go play away, kids, you know. 
second thing you need to do as parents on this media thing is teach your children how to think. Teach them how to make the call themselves. You know, on a, on a song or a movie or a show or a book or a website. I, I've shared this before, but I remember Stacy. Uh, she was about 10. Our daughter was about 10 at the time. And she'd come home from school and she had won a CD. And I kind of knew who the band was. And so I said, well, we'll need to, we need to listen through that. And so we talked about each song on that CD. And I remember asking her several times, I go, how does that match the values in our household? You know, how does that match what God says we need to be about? And long and short, and I don't remember the exacts, but there were like three or four songs that she could actually listen to. And I remember asking her, I said, honey, what do you think we should do here? And she thought for a little bit, and the next morning she said, I'm going to take it back to school and see if I can exchange it. Now, if she hadn't come to that conclusion on her own, I would have made that decision for her. I want you to not miss this. Teach your children how to think. Teach them how to think. Teach them how to make a decision on those kind of things. But do not allow them to make the wrong choice. Too many times I'll hear parents, they'll say things like this. Well, Pastor, I, I, I know it's not right, but, but they really, 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 really want to do this. And so what are you supposed to do? Say no. Parents, you will stand before God someday, and you will give an account for the kind of media that you allow your children's eyes to see and you allow them to be exposed to and it damages their heart and their soul and their mind and you will give an account of that. So choose carefully. Be diligent on that one. You remember last week I said parenting is not a popularity contest? It's okay to say no. Do not let people tell you otherwise. It's okay to say no. I love my child too much. No. Ultimately, you got to monitor all your child's media, which means you're reading what they read. You're listening to what they're listening to and filtering through the music they're listening to. And you're monitoring the TV and the computer habits of your child. You're blocking access to certain things. Do not fall down on this one. And do not let your child function in isolation on this one, especially when it comes to the Internet and the TV. I I know teens that end up in destructive behaviors, that have addictions, because parents were clueless what was going on. They, They failed to guard them and to protect their hearts and their minds and their souls. I used to, when I spoke on this topic, I would get up and I would say, put your computers in a public place in your home. And the reason being, you could monitor what's being viewed on the computer. But with the explosion of portable devices and personal devices, phones and all that, it's pretty hard to monitor in public, isn't it? 
it's very difficult. In fact, as kids get older, it's almost not practical or even doable. So here's the deal. Like with TV, set preferences. Almost every TV provider today allows you to set stuff and codes and and what have you so that you can restrict what can be watched by your kids without your permission. Get software on your computers. There's all kinds of stuff out there, Net Nanny and Cyber Patrol. And there are similar apps that go with portable devices, things like Watchdog and TeenSafe, that help you monitor what's happening on, on their phones. You know, it allows you to monitor their texts, their location. You're able to block apps and sites. You're able to restrict when a, a device uh, is being used or an app's being used so that, you know, they're not up at 3 in the morning, you know, and your 8-year-old's still playing games. You know, you're able to uh, limit the amount of time. You know, when the, when the screen time is used up, it's used up, and they can't use it. It just shuts the, the product down, so they can't use it. Protect your kids And let me say something. If you don't know this already, your kids are way more proficient with electronics than you are. How many of you have figured that out? All right. If you know that up front, then you know that your kid can beat you on the defense end of this. Because they know how to undo things and get around things. And my point do not be outsmarted, mom and dad. You learn what you got to learn so that they can't outsmart you. And when they try the end run, you nail them, and that comes with a higher, higher price tag and a heavier punishment. Limit your kids' content and limit their screen time. And do not apologize for it. Parents, the best offense is a great defense. It is. Make a commitment. I want to challenge you as parents. Make a commitment to to go to seminars. Read on the topic anytime you can. Talk to other Christian parents. That's what's been really cool on uh, Wednesday night, hearing the parents go, wow, they're going with the same stuff, and they had that same problem 10 years ago with their kid. And, And so people are talking and there's, there's health in that. It doesn't mean what, what worked for me and my kids will work for you, but you might get an idea. You might go, oh, hadn't thought about that. So, you know, sharpen each other. Get to know other Christian families and let this church help you. Let this church help you. Parents, you got to protect your kids. Bottom line, the puck should stop with you. Protect them. Protect their minds. It's too important. It's too important. Let, let, let's stand for a word of prayer together. We're gonna, we've got uh, prayer teams that will be down front here after the service. Maybe you've got something going on in your life. Maybe need uh, need some people to pray for a job or your health or, you know, just whatever. They'll be down front here to, to pray with you. And uh, let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we... Uh, We're all a family here. God, I pray for the moms and dads. It is The task today is uh, great. There's so many fronts that we have to be protecting and guiding and assisting our children. God, I pray you'd give us a double dose of just wisdom and strength. Those times when we're just worn down that we would still find the strength to 
step in and do what's necessary to help our kids grow up to have the best best advantage in life, be successful. Most of all, God, that they would uh, have a heart for you because you can keep them on that path. God, I thank you for all the kids in this church and kids in this community. And God, I pray, even though some of us, our kids are grown or maybe we've never had kids, that God, you'd use our influence to touch their lives, to change their lives, to be that word of wisdom that whispers in their ear once in a while, that encourages them, that supports them, that they know they're loved. God, you created fearfully and wonderfully when you created the family. God, I pray that everything we say and do would honor you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. And God's people said, let's worship together.